This morning I'm going to do something a little bit differently because this morning I didn't really come to preach to you a message. I came to share with you a revelation that God gave me this week. So many times in the weeks that I preach, I, I, I sit and I study and I read the word and God gives me a word and gives me all these things. But this week, God just gave me a divine revelation. And then he told me on Sunday, now you got to share it with the people. And I have tried to write this all week long. And every time I've tried to write it, I can't seem to get my pen to work. Every time I try to write a, a space and, and make statements and do certain things, God just kind of shuts it off. He says, stop trying to make it more than what it is and just deliver it. So I need you to get into the space ready to receive what God might have for you. Well, no, not what he might have, what he does have for you. Because anytime the word comes, it's for you. Now, let, so let me get this out of your spirit, out of your head real quick. Everything that I'm about to say, every scripture I'm about to read, everything I'm about to declare in this house is for you. Say it's for me. It's not for anybody else. It's mine. And why do I say that? Because so many times we go, man, if so-and-so was here, they needed to hear that word. Man, if they would have just been here, that would have touched them so deeply. But it was for you. I believe without any shadow of a doubt, every word that comes out of this scripture is for me. Even if I've heard it 101 times, it's still for me. And so I need you to be ready to receive that this morning. Let me share with you what kind of launched me into this space. Uh, I, was, I was sitting in my recliner the other night, and I was watching a, a, a worship moment on, on TBN, I was. And it, friends of mine that I've known for years are leading a time of worship. And this gentleman got up to sing this song, and, and I'm sitting in the recliner, and the song, well, the song said, God is doing a great work. And I'm sitting in my recliner, and I'm thinking about the moments that I'm sitting in right then, and I'm thinking about the weariness in my body, and I'm thinking about being tired, and I'm thinking about the kids are driving me nuts, amen, amen. and I'm thinking about uh, things that have to take place, and I'm thinking about what we have to make happen, and I'm thinking about the places we've got to go, and the, and the trips we have to take, and the, oh, y all, y all, can y'all can y'all agree? Y'all understand where I'm at. I, I'm thinking about all these things, and I'm, and I'm encumbered by all the things that I see around me, and the, the house is a mess, and toys are everywhere, and, and that's a common occurrence in my house, and, and we don't clean house. We just let toys go everywhere, because when you put them up, they come right back out. It's like magic, and, and so I'm sitting there, and I'm dealing with all these things, and, and all the kids are in bed, and my wife is falling asleep, and I'm just sitting in the recliner, and this song comes on, and it says, God's doing a great work in me. And God began to deal with me. He says, what are you looking at? He said, because so many times in your life, Brian, I'm doing things, but you are too caught up in your current situation that you are not looking to my divine purpose. You're too caught up in the moments you exist in rather than understanding that no matter what goes on in your life, I'm doing a great work. In you. So I was sitting there, and all of a sudden, this scripture jumped into my spirit because I've read it 101 times, but this time it became more life than it ever was in my existence. The book of Isaiah, chapter 43, says this But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. For I am about to do something new. How many of y'all like new car smell? How many of y'all tired of going to the car cleaning place and telling them to spray the new car smell back in your car so you can relive the glory days of when you first got the car? Amen. We like new things. Amen. He said, behold, I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. 
Say what? I've already begun. And this is the part that jumped off the page at me. He said, don't you see it? Do you not see it? Do you not see it? The message version says it this way. Forget about what's happened. Don't keep going over old stories. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. It's bursting out. Oh, when something starts to burst, you, whoo! When was the last time you went, whoo, about the things of God? When was the last time in the middle of the valley you cried out like you were standing on the mountaintop? When was the last time that even in the midst of your despair, your struggle, your circumstances, your situations, your worries, your doubts, your fears, your family, everything that goes around you, you just went, he's about to do something brand new. I can feel it. And then he says it again, even in the message, don't you see it? This morning, I've come to minister to you, bring revelation on this one statement. Open your eyes. Because what I've uncovered is a lot of believers walk with their eyes closed. And the Bible says that the blind can't lead the blind. But then I started thinking about that statement. I do like the statement of the blind can't lead the blind because I understand that sinners can't lead sinners. But I wish that the blind would start leading those who can see. Because a blind person doesn't walk with fear. A blind person walks with understanding. But a person who opens their eyes doesn't go places because they're afraid of what they see. But a blind person will keep going because he trusts where he's going. So many times I'm watching believers that are living their lives with their eyes wide open but walking as if they're blind. They see God, they know God, they trust God, but yet they close their eyes because they're afraid and they, they think that if they close their eyes, it'll go, go away. It's like taking a nap because you think in the middle, middle of your struggle, if you go to sleep, when you wake up, it'll go away. No, baby, it's still there and it might have increased. Forget about what's happened. Forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I need to make a declaration to you this morning. You haven't seen anything yet. You haven't heard anything yet. You haven't experienced anything yet. You've just tasted. You've just felt moments, but you haven't experienced the fullness of God yet. He said, don't you understand? Everything that I did in the past was the past, but I need you to step into the present and look to your future and understand that I want to do something brand new in you. Open your eyes. So many times we're just existing. We're walking in church services, walking out of church services, walking into church services, singing the three songs, watching pastor get up there. He gives us a good message. We go home and we go back to the same stuff. I need you to understand no matter what you're going through right now, no matter what you're thinking about, no matter how many times you try to balance your checkbook, in this room, God's about to do something brand new. I need you to get this in your spirit because I'm tired of pastoring and preaching and, and hoping that everyone gets it. I need you to grab a hold of it. It doesn't matter whether the pastor gives us a good word. God's a good God. He's about to do something brand new in me. 
As I was reading this, he just kept screaming out at me, open your eyes, open your eyes. Brian, do you not see that even over the last three years when you've been dealing with your heart stuff, I've been working on your behalf. I have been doing a new work. I've got a plan and purpose. I'm not quitting. I'm not stopping. Jesus. How many believers run around and go, God quit on me. God didn't quit on you. You quit on him. Because you started closing your eyes and started getting adapted to the situations around you. You started becoming a part of the problem rather than the solution. You get anything out of this yet? Because I'm about to scream and run and jump and buck and shout all at the same time. Watch this. Go back with me, Isaiah chapter 43. I told you, it's just revelation. I, I couldn't preach it. I just got to bring it to you. I just hope, it, hope you grab it. If you don't, I don't know what to tell you. But hopefully by the end of the day, you'll take your blinders off. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 1, it says this, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord. Oh, help us, Jesus. Can I help you with something? Half of your eyesight is because you won't listen. Mm. God, okay, the creator of the universe, the one who spoke something into nothing and formed everything. He says, O Jacob, listen to the word of the Lord. Listen to the Lord who created you. Can I just say this to you? Stop listening to everybody else. Listen to the Lord who created you. You might get where he's calling you. Listen to the Lord who created you. Israel, the one who formed you, says, here it goes, do not be afraid. For I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Stop right there. I could preach right there and we go home. So leave that up there right there. Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. <laughs> I've saved you from your pit. I've paid whatever price was demanded on your head. I have literally taken you out of the enemy's territory. I have ransomed you, and I have called you by name. Not, hey, you, but he knows you. And then he says, you're mine. In other words, you're his treasure. You're his delight. In you, he delights. Listen, when I start thinking about this and this starts, man, I, okay, watch, watch, watch. I know he ransomed me because I was in jail four different times. And I know he's called me by name. But to understand that I'm his, watch this, from a fatherless kid, to know that he's mine and I'm his. Baby, I don't walk around with daddy issues. I got a daddy. I might not be able to see him with my two eyeballs, but I feel him every morning I wake up because I know who he is. He is my father, and I am part of who he is. He masterfully created me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am not a mistake. I am not a circumstance. I'm not an oops. And because other men didn't want to father me doesn't mean I'm a mistake. I'm just even that more positioned to run to God rather than to run to man. I'm trying to help you because see, here's what's going to have to happen in order for you to understand this word. You're going to stop having, you're going to stop using excuses for poor behavior. <laughs> well, I just, but you don't understand as you don't know what I've been through. I don't care what you've been through because I know who God is. Listen, baby, if all you want to do is talk about what you've been through, you have not read this word yet. Because he says through every trial and tribulation, God always makes a way of escape. No matter what you go through, God's got a way out. But for some reason, we want to complain about where we are. Listen, your, your complaints don't affect where I stand. Your complaints only affect you. Because I'm holding on to this and I want you to hold on to this today. Watch this in verse 2. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. You're not going to drown. Stop telling everybody you're dying. 
<sighs> Life's killing me. No, it's not. When you go through deep waters, I'll be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, oh, help it comes. You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. I'm just in verse 2. And I'm already contradicting half of the church today. Because what we do is we worship God. And then we complain about what we don't have. It's because you're too focused on what's right here rather than what's there. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Watch this. Watch. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours. Trying to help you get this because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. This is scripture. You are not downtrodden. You are not dismayed. You are not heavy laden. You're the righteousness of God. Open your eyes. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you. Oh, here it comes. Here's those broken families. Here it comes. Those ones that you think your kids are never coming back. He says, I will gather you and your children from the east and the west. I'm trying to help you turn that. Ah, because your pastor, I got lost kids. The word says that he'll gather them. But you're too consumed about the moment rather than a promise that he's given you. Open your eyes. There is nothing that God wants to put you through that he doesn't have a promise for you to succeed out of. God will allow you to walk through the valley all the while will walk with you telling you about the mountaintop. You just got to get out the mentality of the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk, not pitch a tent, not make a home, not stay there and complain about it. Yea, though I keep on pressing through the valley of the shadow of death. It's just a shadow, it's not death. I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Why? Because no matter where you go, he's with you. But sometimes we don't open our eyes to see him. Because we've been cultured to complain more than we have to worship. Can I just say this? And this is this, uh, Pastor Ben and Pastor Katie will probably amen me on this point. Worship in the local church has become the exit of complaining all week long. Worship is now just a change of word because we've been complaining all week long. Could you imagine if your worship continued on Monday? Could you imagine if it happened on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and on Saturday and when the boss didn't give you a fair report and the doctor didn't tell you what you wanted to hear and all these different things started happening and people talked about you and somebody said this and somebody did that and you just kept worshiping. Could you imagine what your worship would sound like the next Sunday? Because you were already in the mindset of worship. We didn't have to get you out of the spirit of complaint to put you back in the spirit of worship. Do not be afraid for I am with you. I will gather you and your children. Your children aren't lost. You just haven't opened up your eyes to see them saved yet. I'm sorry, I'm trying, I'm trying. I, 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 this, this word ate me up so bad. Because here's the problem. What we do is we complain to God, God, my kids are in sin. You think God doesn't know? The creator of the heavens and the earth. The one who formed everything. The one who breathed life into your body. You think he doesn't know they're in sin? You think he doesn't know that they're lost? But when you start declaring what the word says, God, your word says this, even though I cannot see it. Your word says that you will gather me and my children from the east and the west. Uh, there's no space that you can't go get them. So God, I know I don't see it yet, but my eyes are open to what you're about to do. Mm. 
Verse 6, I will say to the north and the south, bring my sons and daughters back to Israel from the distant corners of the earth. See, he didn't just say I'll go from the east to the west. He said, I'll go north-south too, baby. I'll cover the whole thing. Bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. You were made for his glory. You were made for his glory. You were made for his glory. No matter what you're going through, you were made for his glory. It was I who created them. When was the last time you let God be your creator? What do you mean by that? You're here, right? How'd you get here? Well, my mom and my dad, you know, did the thing and poof, I was here. Uh-uh, that's not what the word says. That's not what your Bible says. Your Bible says he made you before the foundations of the earth. The Bible says he was intimate with you in your mother's womb. Can I just say this to you? Yes, it took a man and a woman to create me, but they didn't make me. God did. So I have to understand, even as a father today of four children, yes, I was part of the process, but I'm just a steward of the gift. They're his. I need to make sure they understand he's the creator. He's the author and the finisher of their faith. Do not come to me. Yes, you can come to me for wisdom at moments, but baby, most of the time, did you pray about it? Did you seek the Lord on it? Because trust me, he's got a better answer than I got. I'm just your daddy, but I'm not the father. The problem in the world today is we got a bunch of men who are trying to be the father and the daddy. But see, here he says, he says, it was I who created you. When was the last time you presented yourself before the creator? Let me tell you why we don't do that. Because we're afraid he might find a blemish in the pottery. We're concerned that if we go to the creator, he might call out a blemish. Yes, he will call it out and then repair it. For you are the clay and he is the potter. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to give you to everything I got out of this. It was nuts. Bring all who claim to me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. Bring out the people who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. Gather the nations together, assemble the peoples of the world, which of their, which, which of their idols has ever foretold such things? Which can predict what will happen tomorrow? Where are the witnesses of such predictions? Who can verify that they spoke the truth? Whoa. Whoa. I, I was driving through Slido the other day, and, and I saw that there was a tarot card reading place. I have this weird desire to just go inside and have a visit. Peekaboo. Why? Because I want to see how many demons run when I walk in the room. Because there is nothing a tarot card or fortune teller can tell me that my God has not already declared over me. And I don't need a person to come read my palm. It's just lines, baby. God put them there. You didn't. And they don't tell anything more than the story that he wrote before the foundations of the earth. So I'm good with that. You don't need to tell me my stuff. But here, you want to tell me my, you read my poem? Go ahead, read my poem. Tell me I'm going to die early. Tell me I'm going to have a failed marriage. Tell me my kids are going to run out of me. Listen, the Bible says I'm going to go through trials and tribulations. You can tell me all that stuff. But when you're done telling me about all of my struggles, can I tell you about all my promises? When you're done telling me that I, this, this, and that, and this, and that, and this, and that, can I tell you about my Savior and the one who redeemed me and the one who ransomed me and the one who walks with me and talks with me and holds my hand and tells me that I'm his own? Can I tell you about him? Because here's the problem. Most demons don't ever want to hear that. 
I'll never forget years ago I was in New Orleans. I was in front of, I guess, at St. Peter's Cathedral. And it's what's funny to me is that you got this big, beautiful Catholic church and then tarot card readers and palm readers all in front of the church. You notice nobody's coming and doing that in front of our building. <laughs> and so uh, you just read into that one if you want to. Amen. And, and so... Uh, and so I'm sitting there, and this woman walks up to me, and we were with some people, you know, people from out of town, and, and, and they walked up there and said, can I, can I, can I, would you like a palm reading? Sure. But when you're done, can I pray for you? The moment I said that, she goes, never mind. See, here's the thing. The reason I can do that is because I know how big my God is. Listen, when, when, when the devil approaches, I don't get fearful. Because I know who already wins. Hey, watch, watch, watch. I read the book. I know what it says in the end. That the dead in Christ shall rise. We shall ascend to the heavens and be with our Father. Devil, come on. Because you can throw your best game, but I know because my eyes are open because I know how big my God is. And there is nothing you're going to do in my life. It's going to cause me to walk away from it. Here's the problem in the church today. We have to use Sunday to pep talk the believer. Instead of us walking in this and declaring this so that when we come into the house of God, we are already eyes open, focused on where we're headed. It says in verse 10, it says, but you are my witnesses, O Israel, says the Lord. You are my servant. You have been chosen to know me. Believe in me and understand that I alone am God. Can I just say this to you? Make sure that if you're going through struggles that you haven't put other gods before him. Pastor, I don't have any other gods. Well, you can. Money can be your God. Can I say this to you? Your family can become your God. Your job can become your God. Listen, nobody around me, not my kids, not my wife, come before the Father. He is first and foremost the priority. My second ministry is my family. Then y'all show up. But if you think that the church is my first, no, baby, because I got to tend to the ones he called me to be stewards over. So that when I'm gone, when I finish this race, they keep on running, Jack. I got to do what God's called me to do. You have been chosen to know me. Did you read this? You've been chosen to know me, not just visit me, to believe in me, to have faith, and understand that I alone am God. I lost my verse here. Y'all pray for me. Thank you. There is no other God. There never has been, and there never will be. I, yes, I am the Lord, and there is no other Savior. First, I predicted your rescue. You know, he predicted your rescue. You know that? First, I predicted your rescue. Then I saved you and proclaimed it to the world. No foreign God has ever done this. You are witnesses that I am the only God, says the Lord. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone. Oh, Jesus. You read that. That's why when people tell me the devil took them, I call them liars. Well, you know, the devil killed him. The devil doesn't have authority to kill anything. He has zero authority. How can something that created nothing have enough authority to take life? But yet we go, the devil took him. No, baby, the devil didn't take him. The sin took him. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death, separation from God. 
It's the sin, that, but the devil didn't have the authority to take them. He opened up the door, and somebody willingly woke, walked through that door, and that's how it happened. But to give the devil property and priority and authority it goes completely against this word. It says no one can snatch anyone. You notice it doesn't say a believer. It says anyone, which tells me that even the sinner is still in his hand. Woo! Open your eyes. No one can undo what I've done. No one can undo what I've done. Listen, I know you watch news. I know you hear about politics. I know you think the world's going to a hell in a handbasket. But the Bible says no one can undo what I've already done. So I love people go, do you, do you see what's on the news? Yeah, I watch the news every day. Every day I watch the news. Mom's like, how do you watch the news? It's so depressing. It's, it's so, I said, because I just want to know what's going on. But that doesn't change my faith level. I know the God I serve. I trust the God I serve. And I hold on to his promises because my word says that no one can undo what he's done. And according to the scripture at the end of this, it says, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Which means he's not finished yet. He's still working. Yes. Trying to help you. No one can undo what I've done. Verse 14, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sakes, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator and king. Verse 16, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candle wick. Do you understand what that's saying? Everything can come against you, but God will still deliver you. Verse 18, but forget all of that. Let me say this to you and why I feel this so heavy in my spirit. I feel like the church is trapped in what once happened rather than what is happening. We live in the blinder space of the yesteryear. Let me say this to you. If yesterday was so great, why aren't you still there? I love when people come back in the day when we were at such and such church. Why are you still not there? Because obviously either the season was up or you moved prematurely. Because I love when people come and go, well, Pastor, you know, back in the day we did it this way and it was better that way. Then let me put you in my car and drive you back to where you once were. But you're here. How can you put old wine in new wineskins? And how can you put new wine in old wineskins? How can you do this? You can't. Why is it that we have a tendency to live on yesterday's miracles rather than open our eyes to the miracles that God wants to do right now? Why do we hold everyone guilty for the past rather than praise God for the thing that they've done in their lives because now they've been changed? Why is it that we try to crucify and judge a sinner rather than declare the Savior and his word in Isaiah 43, 1 through 19 over them so that they find out who they are in him? It's amazing to me how we live with blinders because we, when we come into church and we're but we're not looking, we're not looking under the hills, we're not opening our eyes, lifting up our heads and 
seeing into the, into the promise, lifting up our head, O ye gates, and see who this king of glory is, the Lord God, strong and mighty. No, we're too busy stuck in our moments. We're too busy balancing our checkbooks while the message is being preached. We're too busy discussing with our neighbor where we're going to eat lunch. What if you die before you walk out of here? We've made church a cycle of a place to sit in on a Sunday where we pay our penance so that God might be pleased with us. God is not pleased with you until you believe his word. For some reason, we've made Christianity some kind of game where you're trying to score points, hopefully hoping that you might win the game in the end. But what I need to do is wipe away the scales from my eyes, and God has done a lot of great things in my life. But God, I don't want to miss what you're about to do. We're reminded. There's nothing wrong with being reminded of what happened in the past. But don't ask for the same miracles of the past, or you'll have to fight the same demons of the past. God sent people ahead of you to go through things so you could learn, not so you could revisit. Learn from where they went through. But don't say, God, give me the miracles. Give me the yesteryears. Give me the days of old. No, I don't want the days of old. I don't want the miracles of the days of old. I want the miracles for today. I want the promises for today. I want the anointing for today so that I can get to my tomorrow. Here's the problem. Most people in the church today are so busy living in their past that every word that's preached from the platform has to deal with their past rather than launch them into their future. They walk into church every Sunday going, Pastor, I'm just going to keep my blinders on. I'm just going to keep, just going to keep my blinders on. I'm going to keep my blinders I can't see nothing, God. I'm just going to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, well, you know to do. I'm going to write all of my history. I'm going to write all of my moments. I'm going to write all those moments you did great things in my life. All those moments, I'm going to write them here because, you know, the world is a crazy place. And so I don't want to see the world. So I just want to see what you used to do. That's like sitting in Genesis and never getting to Revelations. <laughs> I'm just going to live in the creation. Well, what about the end? He said, I'm the author and finisher. I'm the Genesis and the Revelation. You might as well grab a hold of all of it. Here's what's amazing to me, though, that we come in and we have our blinders on and we say we worship him in spirit and in truth. No, baby, you're worshiping him in past and pain. Can I just say this to you as a sidebar? Most people worship to get themselves out of a funk rather rather than the God's good God. See, 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 when, when, when I get into worship, like, I feel it. I don't know, not everybody's like me. Literally, I was standing in service this morning, and it took everything I had, not at one point of that song, to literally stand up in my chair and just lose myself. And you go, Pastor, if you stand in your chair, that's weird. No, you're weird because you're not standing in your chair. <laughs> well, but it's, this is the house of the Lord, and you're supposed to be reverent in the house of the Lord. No, no, no. I was, I was ignorant in the world. I lost my mind in the church because my mind is what told me to be quiet. But I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I'm going to lose myself, and I'm going to gain his mindset for my life. And and you might not be this crazy, but I am. I I don't care. In the world, I was lost. I was crazy lost. But in him, I'm found, and I am rejoicing. And when I stand up on my chair and lift up my hand and lift up my voice in worship, it is not so that you can watch me and judge me. Baby, me and God are talking. We're spending time together. And you know why I'm standing on my seat? Because I needed a new perspective to see where I was going going but we're so busy playing church that we forgot that it's okay to worship we have forgotten that it's okay to lose ourselves 
When you got saved, you gave up yourself. Why did you go back to the altar and pick him up? Well, I, you know, I, I just kind of like that part of me. Then you haven't let the old things pass away. Therefore, there is nothing new in you. I need you to understand you need to forget everything that you once knew, everything that you once felt, everything that you once heard. Because if you don't, you will judge everything that is coming. And you will start saying, that's not God. And God will go, but it is me. And you will miss out on the greatest outpouring. But forget all of that. It is nothing compared to, watch, sit in the rocking chair. I'm almost done. Sit in the rocking chair in my living room. And I'm sitting there and I hear this song come on and don't play it just yet. Don't hit it yet. I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm looking at every moment I've been in the hospital. Brian, remember the last time you were in the hospital? Yep. See, I didn't tell you all this part of the story. But I thought I was literally having a heart attack the last time I was in the hospital. While I was in the hospital. It was enough to shake me. There's nothing worse than when you are a person filled with faith and your faith gets tested. And I'm sitting in that moment and the pain comes across my chest. I can't breathe. The nurses come running in. Are you okay? I don't know. They start doing their checkups on me. They walk out of the room. My wife calls immediately. I tell her, I said, listen, when you go pick up the kids, bring everybody to the hospital. Because privately, I thought it might be my last time. My kids come to the hospital. They see me for a little bit. They walk out. And something flipped in me. Where I said this out loud in my hospital room, and I'm not talking, I said it quietly, I said it pretty boldly. I said, God, I refuse to go out a way that you didn't plan. I shall live and not die and continue to declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. God, I'm not dying. Five minutes later, the doctor walked in with a new plan to bring life into my life again so I don't have to deal with this foolishness anymore. And this is the reason why I believe everything changed because I stopped looking at my circumstances and started focusing on my promise. The difference between a person who attends church and a person who walks with God is the declaration that comes out of their mouth. Will you stay in the valley and dine it or will you walk towards the mountaintop? It might be tough, baby, but I'm coming. I will forget all, everything behind me. Because nothing's compared to what he's about to do in my life. Nothing is compared to what, listen, nothing is compared to what he's about to do in you. How many of y'all want that new thing? Whether you see it or not, he's already begun. Just for a second, sit in the rocking chair and this song comes on, and I just I wanted to play it for you a second. I, and I'll just say it to you this way. I'll, do, I'll tell you what I did. Everybody was asleep in my house. Song hit, hands went up. All of a sudden, I found myself standing in the middle of my living room when worship. Because it didn't matter where I've been. God's doing a great work in me. Play that song. When you feel it, you can stand to your feet just like I did. God is doing a great work.
He's doing a great work. He's doing a great work in me. God is doing a great work. He's doing a great work. He's doing a great work in me. God is faithful to perform. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. God is faithful. Faithful and great. Great is his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. So what should be considered? Turn that up for me. Turn it As up. we proceed, is that this work did not begin with you. Our mothers, mothers, and fathers, fathers, planted seeds when we were but the faint notion of a dream in their mind. They hope for a harvest, a legacy, a great work. So may your next step forward Help on, us to connect the dots so we see This picture of greatness In fact I hear God say That you are his workmanship moment of worship, where did your struggle go? He's doing a great work. He's doing a great 
God is doing a great work, great work, great work in me. Don't clap for me, baby. Clap for you. God's doing a great work in you. shall live and in him have life more abundantly God open our eyes we want to see you do a brand new thing and it starts in somebody say me says to lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and let us run let us run the race with endurance for he who endures till the end shall be saved. Amen. Don't ask me if I have a heart problem. It's doing a great work. Yeah. Don't ask me if my marriage is good. It's doing a great work. me if I feel okay. He's doing a great work. Let him do a great work in you. If your marriage is going through it, let him do a work in you. Don't tell him, God, touch my spouse. Let him touch you. If your kids are lost, give up and let God have it. The doctor gave you unfavorable report. Remember that the word says that in him death lost its sting. He's doing a great work in you. All you have to do is open your eyes to it. <laughs>